This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. It's September, and that means the start of a new school year. Young people all across the nations head to the country's campuses. One group is preparing not just for academic study, but to help spread the consciousness of the value of life. Students for Life of America is active in middle and high schools, as well as colleges and even medical schools. More than 44,000 students have been trained by the organization in 49 different states. I speak with Students for Life Media Director Matt Lamb about the organization's plans for the new school year on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. As the Carolinas brace for Hurricane Florence, LCMS officials are closely monitoring the situation. Director of LCMS Disaster Response, the Reverend Dr. Ross Johnson, says that he's been in contact with Southeast District officials and others. Response is being planned to help the area once the extent of damage is known as well as needs. Colorado Republican Representative Doug Lamborn is calling on the Department of Justice to investigate the Colorado Civil Rights Commission and its director for harassing Jack Phillips, the owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado. Phillips was cited by the commission after refusing to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding, leading him to fight his case all the way up to the Supreme Court, which found the Colorado Civil Rights Commission deliberately discriminated against Phillips for his religious views. Last month, the commission filed another lawsuit against Phillips for not baking a gender transition celebration cake for a local attorney who just happened to order her cake the same day the Supreme Court agreed to hear Phillips' case. In response, Phillips, through his lawyers at Alliance Defending Freedom, sued both the commission and the commission's head. Oregon Governor Kate Brown, a pro-abortion Democrat, recently voiced her opposition to a November ballot measure that would give voters that choice. Measure 106 will ask voters if they want to amend the state constitution with the following language. The state shall not spend any public funds for any abortion except when medically necessary or as may be required by federal law. Oregon is one of 17 states that forces taxpayers to fund elective abortions. About 3,700 unborn babies' abortion deaths were paid for by Oregon taxpayers in the fiscal year 2015-16, or about 10 per day, this according to the Oregon Health Authority. Beijing authorities threatened to close Zion Church last month after the 1,500-member congregation, one of the Chinese capital's largest house churches, refused to install surveillance cameras in its sanctuary. After services recently, officials delivered on their threat to the unofficial Protestant congregation, which meets in a renovated hall in northern Beijing. Zion is now banned and its materials confiscated. A pastor is among the fatalities as violent anti-government protests continue across Nicaragua. According to World Watch Monitor, the pastor of the Evangelical Camino del Santidad Church in Managua was identified as one of three men found dead in Mosanteo, that's about 100 miles north of the capital of Managua. Pastor Justo Emilio Rodriguez Mancata and two other men were found with their hands and feet tied and gunshot wounds to the head. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, 
I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, no, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. Usted está escuchando el resumen de noticias Mundo Luterano. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Matt Lamb, who's the Director of Communications for Students for Life of America. Mr. Lamb, can you tell me a bit about yourself and about your organization? Sure, absolutely. So, um, like you mentioned, I'm the Director of Communications. So I help put together our messaging strategy, um, everything from helping write op-eds and sending out quotes, um, working with our great uh, team of videographers, graphic designers, um, social media strategists, media strategists, just making sure that we are um, continuing to push the narrative um, about this generation being pro-life as well as just gen in general support for abolishing abortion. Now you called, the organization is actually called Students for Life of America, so obviously you're focusing more on students, is that correct, the organization? Yes, um, so high school, college campuses, we even have some middle school and med and law groups. Well, we're about to start a new school year. In fact, we actually, I think, have started it as of the end of Labor Day. What are the plans? What are you going to be doing this uh, school year? How are you planning to spread the message and, and get the word out? Sure, absolutely. So this fall, we're launching our uh, They Feel Pain Tour, so talking about um, support for late-term abortion bans, um, babies who are 20 weeks and older in the womb, um, and basically talking about how there is broad support even from people who consider themselves pro-choice, liberal, Democrat, um, as well as obviously pro-lifers on the issue of prohibiting abortions after 20 weeks. Well, you've, you've called this the They Feel Pain campaign. Why do you call it that? Uh, so it's talking about the uh, pain, obviously, that babies can feel in the womb, um, how they have developed pain receptors, and how um, they can actually feel pain during the abortion. And this, uh, the, the fetus is developed to the point where about 20 weeks into pregnancy or earlier than that? But that yeah, around 20 weeks is, is the best we know right now. 
but definitely we know that they can feel pain. The pain receptors are there and the brain is sufficiently developed to feel it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what are you doing on the schools? Uh, and I noticed that you've got from grammar school, middle school, uh, high school, even uh, college and even med schools. So how are, how are you planning this throughout these various schools? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, so we have over 1,200 groups, um, mainly split between college and high school, but as you mentioned, some of the other ones. And we'll be going to campus with a variety of displays. We have tour banners. Um, that display different facts about fetal development and fetal pain, that show different statistics on support for banning late-term abortion, as well as talk about, you know, when this issue comes up, the defense on the pro-choice side is, well, this is very rare, um, or from people we talk to, sometimes they don't even believe it's happening. Um, They don't believe, like, oh, wait, this happens, like, when babies can actually feel pain. And so we actually talk about some of the late-term abortionists um, who do commit those abortions, uh, including, of course, the infamous Kermit Gosnell. Of course, there's a great movie coming out in a few weeks about him um, and the horrific things he did and saying, no, this is a reality. These are real people who are committing abortions on babies 23, 24, and longer uh, and older. Well, I know that a lot of your displays on uh, campuses throughout this country have Come under under physical attack, vandalism, uh, and, and even administrative uh, restrictions trying to keep you off campus. Are you still running into this? Sure, absolutely. Um, so, of course, the summer, you know, there hasn't been too much vandalism, but you can see a map of all our vandalism going back six years um, on our website, studentsforlife.org. And, uh, you know, hopefully there won't be any vandalism, but... Um, we do, of course, know every year, whether it's a Cemetery of the Innocents, a cross display, a flag display, um, just our general, you know, poster board displays or, or banners. Uh, we know they're attacked. We, of course, know other pro-life groups have had their materials attacked. So, um, you know, just I'm sure you've been watching the Supreme Court hearings, and we all know the unfortunate state our politics is in today. And unfortunately, that does trickle down to high school and college campuses. So there is always, of course, that threat of violence against um, pro-life speech. I've actually seen some videos of uh, students, for example, you mentioned the uh, the cemetery uh, displays, where some students will actually go in and start removing all the crosses right in front of the people who placed them. Or uh, they'll start tearing down flyers and even ripping flyers out of the hands of the people who are distributing them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that happened um, at the College of New Jersey a couple months ago. We had great footage of the, these students basically taking them out, and we said, you know, why are we doing this? This is our display. You have your free speech rights. If you want to do your own display, go for it. Um, and then just basically their justification is, well, you know, abortion's a, a right, and you're harming women by advocating against this, or, um, you know, you're going to cause all these issues. So it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy on their end of, you're going to cause controversy by having this display, so we're going to steal your thing. What is the best defense for that? I noticed, uh, as you pointed out, there, there are videos of these of these incidents. Is this one of the defenses that people can do uh, who are setting up these displays or manning these booths is to keep the video going and, and make sure that this, this gets out, that they're doing this? Sure, that's a great question. Um, first, absolutely film it. Um, get them on camera, send it to us, just you can send it to, to me, mlam at studentsforlife.org or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. And uh, we'll certainly help you. Um, 
that's the first step. Then we publicize it. We work with the school. Sometimes the school acknowledges that they're wrong. Sometimes the school will cover up. So we had a, we've had a situation at Fresno State where we have video of a student stealing the signs. We know what time it is. We know what building it is. Campus police even told us, yes, we should be able to catch this person because we just look at class schedules, things like that. And now the school won't tell our own students who are victims of crime what happened. So, um, you know, there's certainly them saying, we'll look into it. And then there's, well, did you really look into it? Or did you sit down with the student and just say, don't do that ever again, you know? Are other organizations working with you? For example, uh, there's the FIRE organization I know that is dedicated to helping free speech efforts on uh, on campus. And, of course, there's, I think, Campus Reform is another organization. Are you working or liaisoning with them at all? Sure. So uh, we have we work with great attorneys. Um, FIRE is a great group, uh, as well as groups like Alliance Defending Freedom, Thomas More Society, and then certainly working with um, campus publications, College Six, Campus Reform, um, as well as like local and national news to get these stories uh, told. Uh, there's a great saying. Uh, I believe Senator Dirksen. I'm from Illinois, so uh, you know, former Illinois senator said a great phrase of when I when I feel the heat, I see the light. So once the schools kind of realize the tremendous PR backlash that comes from. Uh, them not protecting the free speech rights of students, then sometimes they're more willing to talk and more willing to work with us. And all we really want, we don't ask for anything large. We just want the same rights to be able to um, talk to students on campus, have our display, as every other group is afforded. If pro-choice groups or other groups want to, want to have their message, great. I mean, that's, that's their right. Um, and we just want the same rights afforded to us, especially because our students pay tuition and they pay fees. And if they're a, a citizen of the state, they pay taxes that go to these schools. Or if it's a private school, they pay the tuition and fees. So they're basically paying for the school to discriminate against them. Didn't uh, you just recently with uh, Ball State? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, actually just, um, I believe it was yesterday we settled it, uh, where essentially the university told us, no political or religious groups are allowed to receive student fee funding. So this is funding our students pay every semester, um, which is supposed to go back to groups to host speakers, have events, have pizza meetings, you know, create flyers, um, go to different conferences. And, you know, we said, well, first of all, that's, that's on its face illegal. And two, you're not even, second, you're not even proper, you're not even fairly applying this because Here's all these other groups, LGBT groups, atheist groups that are political or religious or of a similar nature. I mean, most things can be deemed political. Um, and so uh, we had asked for $300 to do an outreach event to pregnant and parenting students. And at the end of the day, uh, the school had to pay the students $300 and then Alliance Spending Freedom $12,000. So they paid... 40 times, if they had given us the $300, obviously it would have cost them $300, but at the end of the day, in addition to all their, their own attorney fees and staff resources, they paid something like 40 times the amount we originally asked for to settle the lawsuit. I understand that in addition to settling the lawsuit, they actually admitted that they were in the wrong on this and are taking steps to ensure that it won't happen again. 
Yes, they're changing the policies, um, and so we certainly hope that now the policies will be fairly applied and we'll have a, a fair chance, as well as every other group, conservative or liberal or apolitical, to access the student fees that the students do already pay for. How is your organization utilizing social media to get your message out? Sure, absolutely. So we're on Facebook. If you just look up Students for Life of America, we're on Twitter, Students for Life, Snapchat, Instagram. Um, and so we use it to spread different messages, whether it's telling the stories of our groups, whether it's um, putting out content that explains a particular issue like Roe v. Wade or how to respond to a certain argument. Um, Instagram is great. We get to show a lot of great photos of our student groups doing great things, raising money, hosting speakers, other events and other actions like that. Um, and so certainly social media is a great way just to, to follow us, to learn what's going on, um, and, and engage with us and share your own story. Send us photos of what your group is doing on Instagram or send us stories that we can put on our blog and our website, studentsproject.org, or we can tweet out or post on Facebook. So if you're a pro-life group, you know, definitely send us that information. We'd love to work to publicize it. On your website, you actually have a section that says become an activist, and you actually have some advice on how to do that. Could you explain that a little bit further? Sure. Um, so if you sign up on our website, we'll connect you with one of our great regional coordinators, which are our boots on the ground, so to speak. And uh, we'll provide uh, training on apologetics, organizing your group, running your own social media, fundraising, how to get to the March for Life, as well as any materials you need. So we have information on abortion and breast cancer, on birth control, um, on a variety of issues so that when you're on campus and someone asks you about an issue, you have these great resources that are all cited. We, we try to use um, non-pro-life sources as much as possible so that it's harder to challenge our data. And all these things are, of course, free to our activists um, and for a relatively low cost to adult groups. And, of course, you can learn more. You can come to our conference, um, sflalive.org. We actually just opened registration. So lots of great opportunities to get involved and get trained. If you want to start a pro-life group, we're happy to help you. If you have a pro-life group or college Republicans or Christian or Catholic student group, um, we can give more training to your group and work with you and anything we can do to continue to grow the effectiveness of the pro-life generation. Next February, we'll have another March for Life. Is the uh, Students, for, Students for Life of America going to be involved in that? Absolutely. Um, we will be bringing out our students. Um, and like I mentioned, we're actually going to have our national conference the day after the March for Life, which is January 19th this year. Um, so if you go to SFLA Live, so Students for Life of America Live.org, um, you can sign up to come to our conference can bring a group, come by yourself, adults are welcome to, um, hear from lots of great pro-life leaders, and it's a great way after the March for Life to then learn more how you can put those um, skills and use that motivation and put it into action. Could you talk a little bit more about this upcoming conference? How many people are you expecting and what uh, will you actually be doing within the conference? Sure. Um, so we're aiming for um, twenty-five to 3,000 students and adults um, from all across the country. And so if you come, what you'll uh, be able to learn more about, you'll be able to learn more about activism, apologetics. You'll get to hear from great pro-life speakers. Um, in the past, we've had speakers like Lila Rose, Abby Johnson, um, Josh Brom, who's great on apologetics, David Delighton, of course, who made the... Um, 
undercover Planned Parenthood videos, the CMP videos. You also get to network with other students. Um, I always thought it was, when I was a student activist, when I was in college, I went to the Students for Life conference, and it was great for me um, not only to get to spend more time with my Students for Life group, but also get to meet people from all across the country and figure out, well, what events are you doing that's doing great for fundraising, or how have you turned out people for an event, or how have you recruited more people for your meetings? And so if you're a student, it's great. If you're an adult, it's great. You're a youth minister, you want to learn, how can I get my students more interested in the life issue? Um, there's plenty of great opportunities, get to network, get to learn from great speakers. Something I've been noticing, uh, I've, I've been following the March for Life for, for quite a few years, and something that I have noticed is that with each progressive march, the age of the marcher seems to be declining, getting younger and younger and younger. Uh, is there evidence that you are actually making progress within the this generation coming up, that they are becoming more pro-life? Sure. So we, we always say, um, you know, we are the pro-life generation. Uh, like I was talking about earlier, support for the 20-week abortion ban, that support is incredibly high among millennials and then the generation after them. So we do know that this generation is very pro-life, of course. Um, like my generation, and I'm 24, so I'm kind of right in the middle of this new generation and millennials. We, of course, had the benefit of great uh, technology that shows the humanity of the pre-born. We, of course, know this generation is very passionate about issues like civil rights and social justice. And so abortion is an issue that um, they are very uh, interested in. They want to see abortion abolished. And this is, of course, across the board. We have plenty of people in our groups who are, who are, of course, conservative, Christian, conservative, Catholic. And then we have plenty of people who are also maybe more feminist. Maybe they, they're agnostic or they're atheist. Some people in our group supported Trump. Some people supported Bernie Sanders. But the great thing is we're all able to unite around this issue of ending the injustice of abortion um, and abolishing abortion. Technology is playing a key role, I think, in the pro-life movement. I know that with the uh, with the advent of sonograms, where women are actually able to look into their womb and see what is in there, that the uh, they're suddenly realizing hey, that is not a bunch of tissue. This is a human being. And is this one of the tools that you utilize? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, we've, of course, had the benefit of technology that pro-life activists 40 and 50 years ago didn't have. So it's easier for us. We can go on campus and say, here's a baby at 25 weeks or 23 weeks. This is what it looks like in the womb. Can you tell? Can you really look me you know, straight in the eyes and tell me this isn't a human being? And it's very hard for people to do that once they see the evidence right in front of them. And yet we had a uh, one of the presidential candidates in the last election supported abortion up until the moment of birth. Absolutely. And even last year, the night before the March for Life, or I think it was the night of the March for Life, there was a vote on protecting babies who are born, after, who, who survive an abortion, which is a miracle in itself, and providing them basic medical care. And still... Um, a large majority of a certain party, I won't name which one, but you can infer which one, voted against that measure. So these are going to be issues coming up. Are, are you, in fact, they are coming up. They are right now. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future concerning pro-life? I'm, I'm very optimistic. Um, of course, every, every day, a great part of my job is I regularly get to interact with pro-life student leaders as well as pro-life leaders from other groups that we work with. And, you know, they're on fire about this. This is an issue they're 
they're passionate about. I mean, for so long, of course, abortion has been a controversial issue. So this is not an issue people take passively. So we have leaders that, you know, in over 1,200 student groups and 1,200 student groups, and then you multiply that by 15, 20, 30, 40 students in each group, if not more, to think about all those students on campus that are talking to people every day, um, talking about ethics, talking about abortion, talking about how do we protect the preborn. Of course, in public high schools, Christian high schools, Catholic high schools, public colleges, community colleges, Catholic colleges, Christian colleges, etc., um, who are really reaching broad audiences. So I am very optimistic because I do know we have great students. We've been lucky to work with great groups like Alliance Sending Freedom, Family Research Council, SBA List. Um, I can go on and on about all the great groups we get to work with. And... I can tell you these students are very passionate about ending abortion, and so I do believe we will abolish abortion in the near future. Of course, these students, and then they graduate, and then, then they vote, and they continue to be pro-life. And, of course, so every year we're just adding to our numbers. Yeah, I've, I've noticed uh, some people will go from pro-choice to pro-life after they're presented with certain information. I've never heard of somebody going from pro-life to pro-choice. 100%. It's very rare. Um, of course, there are some people who maybe they grew up you know, passively pro-life, they may be in a religious family, but then people always seem to come back. Um, I've never heard of a pregnancy resource center director leaving to go work at Planned Parenthood, but I've heard plenty of Planned Parenthood employees leaving to go join the pro-life movement. Of course, people like Abby Johnson being a a very famous example. Uh, Mr. Lamb, we're just about out of time. Uh, Would you tell the audience once again how they can get in touch with Students for Life of America if they want more information? Sure. So you go to studentsforlife.org, F-O-R, um, and you can sign up there to be involved. Um, you can, of course, donate to us, click Invest Now. Of course, as a nonprofit, um, we do rely on donations, and, and every dollar um, is certainly appreciated and helps. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. You can also, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. You can also just email us at info at studentsforlife.org. And if you just say what state you're in, what school you go to, um, we'd be happy to connect you with one of our regional coordinators. Mr. Lamb, thank you very much for taking the time to discuss this issue with my audience. Yeah, thank you you very much, and thanks for having me. Okay. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.